Welcome to For the Love of Dharma. I'm so happy you're here. My name is Heather Love, and I'm one of the first certified Dharma coaches in the world. This podcast will help you be more joyful, remember your purpose, and live life on your terms. Get ready to get inspired. Here we go. Hi, friends. Welcome to the new moon eclipse in Scorpio. If you aren't familiar with eclipses, they occur about every six months and they can shift big things in our lives. There are usually two or sometimes three eclipses for the new moon and the full moons. And what happens during that time could have an effect for the next six months until the next eclipse season. Not every eclipse affects every person, which is a good thing because that would be pretty chaotic. But depending on what you have going on in your astrological birth chart, some eclipses may impact you more than others. For me, this eclipse is hitting some major aspects in my chart, so I have definitely been feeling it. No matter how you are feeling, allow yourself some grace for the next couple of weeks. We are in what is called the window between eclipses from now until the next eclipse on November 8th. If you want to dive deeper into astrology, I highly recommend checking out my mentor and teacher, Danielle Page, on Instagram. Also, before we dive into today's episode, I have decided that after this episode that I'm going to do away with the five key takeaways that I usually do at the end. Many of you have expressed that you really love that part, but I have really started to feel that those takeaways just don't do the conversation justice. There are usually way more than five things that I think are worthwhile during an episode, and it's hard for me to pick what things get highlighted and what doesn't. Also, I really want you to decide what's important for you to take away from a conversation rather than me telling you what you should remember. There are probably a lot of things that I don't talk about at the end of an episode that many people think are important. So I want to give you that authority over your own life. Only you will know what you want to take away from an episode and you don't need me or anyone else telling you what to focus on. As always, I invite you to take your own notes during episodes that resonate with you because you never know when you might want to go back to that information. As I said, I went ahead and did them for today's episode, but I can already tell you that I could have easily added another five or even 10 takeaways and made this episode another 15 minutes, but I kept it to five, so I hope you enjoy. And now for today's episode, I am really excited about today's guest, and I thought this was the perfect interview to air right before Halloween. This conversation is so fascinating that I can't wait for you to listen. Dr. Lisa Thompson is a best-selling author, speaker, galactic ambassador and channeler, and intuitive transformational coach who supports and empowers women to intentionally design their best life by living from their yes so they can embrace self-love, trust their intuition, and gracefully move forward through their fears to take inspired action to live a life they love. She is an evolutionary biologist who understands the embodiment of the ancient DNA within humans and guides them in the intergalactic realm. Today, we dive deep into aliens and spirit animals, and this was definitely one of the more fascinating conversations I've had recently. We talk about how Lisa was taken by extraterrestrials when she was 15 years old and how her esoteric upbringing really led her to where she is now. 
She is a former zoologist and interior designer, among many other things. And today, she works directly with many different alien races and also gives UFO tours in her hometown in Hawaii. If you are into this kind of thing, you are going to love this episode. So let's get started and welcome Lisa to the show. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Hi, Heather. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So the way I like to start my guest episodes is by having you choose either blue or red. And I have a blue book and a red book, and I'll pick a random question out of whichever book you choose. Blue. All right. I feel like blue gets a lot of the love. (laughs) Poor red. What animal species is most likely to take over the earth? (laughs) that's a really good one. I'm a former zoologist. So that one, I actually, I feel like I need to be thoughtful about some kind of insect, I believe, Mm. maybe cockroaches. Oh no. (laughs) Only because they're indestructible. Like they can survive a nuclear war. So yeah. And you know, I would like to say something, you know, nicer, cuter. (laughs) Something fuzzy. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's probably the most practical answer I could give. You're probably right. And that's terrifying. Hopefully I'm long gone by then and I don't come back. (laughs) All right. So I would love for you to tell my listeners, what was Lisa like as a child? What kind of personality did you have? What kind of things were you into? Actually, so that animal question is perfect because I was obsessed with animals. Um, I grew up as an only child and my mother worked a lot and she spent a lot of time with her friends and boyfriends. So I was alone quite a bit. So I would just learn about animals and then I would draw them. So it's very artistic, but I wanted, I just was also very curious. So I was like an encyclopedia of knowledge about different animals. And that actually led into me getting a PhD in zoology. But as a kid, I also was very probably precocious, um, wise for my years, and very independent. Um, I also was an overachiever. (laughs) So, and I think part of that was actually to get to feel like I was worthy. That's something that I've had to work through most of my life. And I have gotten to a point where I've been able to find that self-love and worthiness. But with my mother not being around very much and my dad not being around in order to feel like I was proving myself and getting the attention that I needed, then I would be a high achiever in things. Mm. I was also told I was precocious as a child, and I do not think it was meant as a compliment. (laughs) So I totally relate. Uh, Do you have a maybe one or two favorite animals that you love? Well, so my number one spirit animal, um, because I I am into spirit animals, is a manta ray. And I live here in Hawaii. And one of the reasons why I chose the Big Island um, specifically is because we have a resident population of manta rays that is around here year round that you can go swimming with. They are the most highly evolved of any fish in the world. They're um, basically evolved flat sharks but they're highly intelligent. They have brain warming, they have memory, and I do truly believe they're higher dimensional beings. I didn't know that. That's amazing. uh, So that's my number one. Number two, I love platypus. 
because they're one of the weirdest animals in the world. I like anything super weird <laughs> and out of the ordinary. And so, you know, you have this egg-laying mammal that, it, you know, looks like part duck, part beaver. And they also, the males have venomous spurs on the back of their legs. And they they're just- do? Yeah, they <laughs> So they're just- they're fascinating. And um, about seven years ago, I actually went to Australia so that I could see them in the wild. That was one of my dreams. Is that where they live? I don't even know where they live. (laughs) They do only live in Australia, just like most marsupials in the world. And they are monotremes, not marsupials. So they're the most primitive of all the mammals that are alive. Those and the echidna, which are also called the spiny anteaters. Oh, well, I feel like I've already learned so much today. (laughs) So you mentioned spirit animals. So I would love to dive into that. If you don't mind, I've never talked about that on the podcast. So how do you find your spirit animal or is it just something you pick? Well, there are, you could go on a shamanic meditative journey to see what animal comes to you in that. That's a very common way for people to, to identify with a spirit animal But other ways that you can actually figure out without even doing that is, do you have any specific animal that you have around you, like in terms of your home decor, animals that you're just always drawn to? And so when I look around my house, even though like manta ray is number one, I do have some platypus artwork, you know, that I bought in Australia. But then when I look around, I have a lot of elephants I love elephant energy and I have a lot of giraffes and I see a giraffe behind you. Yeah, I actually made that. I I did a wood burning of that. Yeah. yeah. And so like some people really have some kind of obsession with an animal for whatever reason. So if you tend to have one animal that you gravitate towards, you know, throughout your life, then that is a good spirit for you. And we can have different spirit animals that we call on for different purposes. So you don't, like for me, I don't have just the one spirit animal. Dragon is another spirit animal for me. Peacocks are another one. So I have multiple, but the primary one is a manta ray. Okay. Yeah. That, Cause that was going to be my next question because I do, I have, I, I love giraffes, love, love, love giraffes. Hummingbirds mm-hmm. are another one that I like dragons and unicorns. So yeah. yeah, So, and I used to be obsessed with elephants, not as much these days, but yeah. So I I was, that was going to be my next question. Like, can you have more than one? Yeah. And they all have different meanings. They all have different qualities that they bring. And so what I love about giraffes is because they are so tall, they're seeing things from a higher perspective. So they're not down in the nitty gritty of life. They're really seeing it from a higher perspective. And so that's one of the beautiful things that they remind us of where elephants have this amazing maternal wisdom, right? Mm. The divine feminine wisdom. Dragons are all about self-power. So that's, yeah, love dragons. When you mentioned hummingbird, hummingbirds have a lightheartedness about them, joy and lightheartedness. And unicorns, of course, are magical. Oh my gosh, I love that. I feel like I actually bought, just looking at my Oracle decks, I have two different ones. I have a spirit animal Oracle deck by Colette Baron reed and I have an animal dreaming Oracle deck by, 
Scott, Alexander King, but I haven't worked with them too much. I should probably start doing that because yeah. I Colette Baron Reed, I love her decks. And she's actually who inspired me to create my own Oracle decks because I have eight different Oracle decks myself. And but yeah, hers, her animal spirit deck is amazing. So um, eight decks and- is amazing. I would love for you to tell us. Do you have I know it's like picking a favorite child. Do you have one or two decks that you absolutely love? Well, so I started after I left academia and left science, I became an interior designer and home stager. And I had a company for 12 years. And near the end of that, I was combining my spirituality with the design. And so I created a color deck called Frequency of the Colors. And so it's bringing in the spiritual properties of the color as well as really practical, like how to use those colors in your space and how to pair them together with other colors. So that was really, that was my first real deck with a booklet that I created. And it's, it's such a powerful deck. I have people, I did that one maybe three years ago and I have people that are still using it that just are loving it. Then I have, I have sacred soul animals. I have a sacred soul marine animals and a sacred soul birds. Oh my goodness. And then I I have a sacred soul flower deck. That one, plants haven't always been, you know, my thing. I was not a botanist, but I appreciate what plants give us. So I wanted to bring in the energy of the flowers and they're, and they're beautiful, of course. But the, the most recent ones that I've done, I have an Aloha spirit one being here in Hawaii. So that one, it's bringing in the energy of the gods and the goddesses and the the different ideology of the Hawaiian culture. My newest one is definitely not for everyone. Like those other decks are very generalized for most people, but the newest one is connection to the cosmos. And so one of the things that I do as part of my work is I am a galactic ambassador. And so I have created a deck that is enhancing your connection with higher dimensional beings, essentially. And you can apply that to fairies, angels, ascended masters, but my deck is specifically tied around extraterrestrials and extra dimensionals. First of all, I want all of your decks. They all sound amazing. I'm gonna have to go check them out. Second of all, how did you go from PhD interior designer to being a galactic ambassador? I grew up in an esoteric, metaphysical, spiritual household. So a little bit different than a lot of people that I know and that I grew up with. My mother was an astrologer. All her friends were astrologers, psychics, tarot card readers, witches. And so that was normal for me. When I was 13, we moved from Oklahoma City to Washington State to a small town called Yelm, Washington. And we moved there to be part of a spiritual school of enlightenment. And this is back in 1986. And In that role, we were learning really how to create our reality. We were learning that we ultimately are God. We are fully connected. We are not separated. And we were learning about things like fairies and galactic beings and how everything fits together. And so with that experience, I had my first conscious memory of being taken in a craft when I was 15. And so I just, my newest book about that as well as other information about connecting to the cosmos. But that incident, that experience 
that I was able to have validated um, by a high ranking government official, actually, which was very powerful, planted the seed for the work that I do now as a galactic ambassador. But it took, you know, almost 35 years for me to really step fully into that experience and being able to share it with the world. Because being a scientist, being in that mainstream academia world and being in a very mainstream like designer kind of world, I didn't have the opportunity to really show people who I was because they would think I was crazy. In fact, most of my scientist friends, they did. They're like, you know, that's not true. That's not real. And I'm like, our science can't explain my experiences, but I know my experiences are real. So I just had to live with that. And then finally, when we moved here to Hawaii about two years ago, that's when I finally was able to take all the rest of the masks off and step into who I really am. And I'm all the things. So I am, you know, I still have a scientific mind, but I'm also very open to the things that our science can't explain. And I have regular connection with my extraterrestrial, extra dimensional beings. And, you know, I just, I fully embrace that now. That's such a beautiful example of who you are and how you express it. I think like you were talking about the mask, I think that so many of us do wear masks because we're afraid that if we show our true authentic selves, that people are going to call us crazy and think we're weird. So I love that you have been able to do that. Yeah, well, thank you. And it was um, about five and a half years ago that while I had my design company, I actually had this calling to start a spiritual business. And I, I had the the seed planted probably two years before that, where I had a scientific hand analysis done, where what she said is that I and both of my kids have a 1% marking where we're meant to be spiritual teachers or identity transformation leaders, which is the new term for it. And at the time I'm like, well, I am spiritual, but I don't have any clue what I would do in that world. Like I, cause I'm like, I I'm a scientist, I'm a designer. I don't, I don't know what I would have to teach. So it took a couple years and I, I knew about my human design. I'm a generator. So my job is to wait to respond to something and I'm sacral authority. So if my gut gets the yes, then I have to move forward with it. So it took two years for something to come my way for me to respond to in that. And the first thing ended up being past life regression therapy and training in that. And so once I finished that certification, I started my company, Mystic Manta. So I was running both at the same time. And in my world, people knew me as the designer. And I had a five-year stint in mortgage before the design as well. So I, you know, I went from science to mortgage to design. So people knew me as this just really normal, very like, you know, on top of it kind of person. And then here I'm coming out like, okay, now here's my spiritual business. And it took a while for people to accept that in my town of Olympia. Then I added on human design and then finally the galactic piece when I moved here to Hawaii. So it was a slow process of like, really, okay, am I doing this? Am I doing this? Yes, I'm doing this. And the final piece to take that last mask off was letting my design company go so that I could really not care what anyone else thought. Because I have learned along the way what other people think of me is none of my business. 
And what's really beautiful about stepping into your full authentic self, no matter what your purpose in life is, is that when you really show up, your tribe can find you. What I was realizing is that by not being my authentic self, I was surrounded by people who, yes, they were nice and they were partly my people, but they weren't fully my people. And now I really have my people in my life. I feel so much more supported than I ever have. Mm, I love that so much. And I resonate with that so much because I do find now that I have kind of stepped into who I am here to be. I am attracting more of those kinds of people in my life. And the ones who don't resonate with those things are falling away and I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. And that's actually a natural process of evolving as, as humans. We're not meant to stay stuck. We are meant to really keep following our passion, our joy. And the more that we do that, the more elevated our vibration is. Not everyone can be in that vibration and they are meant to fall away or dissolve away from our lives. Yeah. Mm. Such a good reminder. So you mentioned past life regression, which I want to get into, but first I just cannot not keep going along the extraterrestrials. You have these amazing blow up aliens behind you that make me so happy and they bring me so much joy. So how do you, like, do you talk to them? How does it all work? That memory or the, you know, being taken on the craft. I know that now that I've had other experiences like that throughout my childhood, but they wanted me to remember that one experience specifically because it was like the seed planted for the work that I do now. But it was about four years ago. So I'd already started my spiritual biz and I started taking um, psychic intuition classes. And the very first night of class, our teacher led us through a meditative journey to meet a spirit guide that would be kind of our psychic guide to help us get extra information if we needed it. Well, I had done a lot of journeying like this. I've met my different spirit guides, you know, some are humans, some are animals. And this time in this class, I went to a completely different realm where I knew I was in a higher dimension and I don't even know where I was in time and space, but the most beautiful blue beings were in front of me and they just exuded pure love. And the message that they had for me was, you are one of us. We are one of you. We are family. And they gave me a gift of a crystal. And then the name that the, there, there were several of them, but there was one that was a little more forward in terms of the communicator. And this was all through telepathy. So we were to ask, you know, do you have a name? So the name that was given to me was Uluru. And one of the things, sometimes our guides, if we ask them for their names, they'll give us a name that we are familiar with. Now we can't, question what that name is. If it comes, it comes. And even if you're like, okay, why, why'd you give me that name? Just go with it. Cause it doesn't matter. But Iluru, I did question it at first. Like, I know what that is. Because, and actually, do you know what Iluru is? I do not. Okay. So I have a very strong connection with Australia. We talked about the platypus. Well, Iluru is the Aboriginal name for Ayers rock, which is the giant monolithic rock Um, near Alice Springs in Australia. And it's a highly spiritual place for the Aboriginal people. And so I knew, you know, I know of Aluru. And 
So these beans, they gave me this. I came back. I described to the class what, you know, we each had to take turns describing our spirit guides. Everyone else had normal, like human kind of guides. So I'm describing these blue beans. And my teacher, she's an extremely gifted psychic. She's like, you met your galactic family. And then there was a gal in class that knew the different alien races. And even though I had had that experience and I had had UFO experiences my whole life, I didn't know about the different alien races, except for the one that I was taken when I was 15, which was a totally different group. And then the grays, my, the ones that took me were not the gray ones. And so I knew about those. So I'm describing what the blue beans look like. The lady in class that knew the alien races, she said, you know, it sounds like you're describing either the blue avians or the Arcturians. And I had never heard of either one of them. I went home and Googled what those were. Soon as I saw the picture of the Arcturians, I'm like, oh my, that's exactly what I saw. Wow. Like exactly. After that time, so over the, over the last four years, I have really strengthened that connection with them, the more that I work in this galactic realm, the stronger it is. And actually now I really do understand my role with them. Um, I am actually, I have a parallel life. Um, I don't like to say past lives because there is no past, there is no future. All timelines exist simultaneously. So now instead of past life regression, I call it parallel life regression. <laughs> but most people, you know, are nor they're used to that past life terminology. So I have a parallel life where I'm an Arcturian and I understand what my role is. And this Aluru being that was in front of me was essentially me. That's one of my other selves. And so I now channel them through writing and I'm able to vocally channel them as well. So that's pretty powerful because the spiritual school that I grew up in was taught by a channel descended master. And that was pretty out, you know, fringe during the 80s and 90s. And I always I did care what people thought of me when I was growing up. You know, I wanted people to like me <laughs> and not think I was weird. And so it did take a while for me to open up my vocal channel because I had judgment from like of what are really what are people going to think of me because of my childhood growing up with that. But I've gotten over that now. And so now I just let it come through when it needs to come through. And there are other um, ET groups that I work with as well. But part of what helps this is that besides all the modalities that I do, I also do a night sky watch UFO tour here on the big island of Hawaii, where I teach people, you know, how to identify the known objects, the known behavior in the sky. And then we use advanced Gen 3 military night vision goggles to look at the sky and you can see all the crazy spacecraft activity. And oh. because of my connection, like they, they show up <laughs> there. It's amazing. Yeah. So it's a tour that we do here in my, the neighborhood I live in, Waikoloa Village. And it's, it's amazing. It sounds so I get amazing. to teach about this Yeah, to the general public, as well as my online classes, retreats, my book. So I'm like, here I am. I'm a galactic ambassador. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. There's so many, I have so many questions. So it is interesting that you can see them with special equipment because I, 
you know, I live where there isn't a lot of city lights and yeah. I can see a lot of stars. I see the moons. I sometimes, the, if the planets are bright enough, just with my naked eye, it makes me wonder if I would be able to see them too. Yeah. Well, and some of them will appear to certain people. Some will appear like they'll be inside of Earth's atmosphere and appear. Now that doesn't happen on our tours. Um, there are, we do have customers that come that maybe the night before we've had this happen a few times the night before they saw something that was not explainable and they describe it to me. And I'm like, you just, you saw a craft. (laughs) We have a lot of crap. We have a lot of activity here in Hawaii. Now there are other parts of the world have high activity, but our veil is very thin here. And so there's just yeah, activity all over the islands and craft coming in and out of the water, very commonly seen as well. So if you knew what to look for, and I also teach people how to like call them in, invite them in, and they will show up for you. If, Mm -hmm. if you really, you know, send that thought out, if you know, if you know what to look for, and that's part of what I train people in my book and with my connection to the cosmos Oracle deck how to strengthen that connection. Mm. I'll have to check that out. I have, and I haven't talked about this very much, but I have a connection to a star. That's the best way I can describe it, but it's this place that I can go and I can do healing, not only of myself, but of others. And so it's, I know it's like a different dimension. It's not here, but it's, it affects here because when I do a healing people here on earth can feel it. But I had to Google it because I was like, is this, am I making this up? Right? Like, I think that we all think that to some extent. (laughs) If it showed up on Google, (laughs) right? And no, that's beautiful. Cause that's actually, that's my role as an Arcturian is that's with the crystal that I was given. Um, So the Arcturians are higher dimensional beings. They don't get sick themselves. But so my role with that crystal as the Arcturian is to send healing energy down to earth, Lisa, to heal myself, but also to then channel that healing energy to help in aid in the healing of others. So sounds like a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. So very cool. One of the things for people listening to this is that, you know, even if we feel like we're making it up, it doesn't matter. But also, we can't make up anything that we haven't experienced that mm. doesn't exist. So if it's real in your mind, it's real. That's yeah. good to know. Good to know. So what does it look like when you're in this other dimension? Like, I know you said it's telepathy and you don't actually have like a conversation with words. Like, what does it feel like? Or like, do you come out of it like with knowing things that you didn't know before? How do like, what do you talk, quote unquote, talk about? (laughs) So now, now that I have allowed the channeling to happen, I basically, I pull myself out of my consciousness, but I'm observing. So I'm still aware to a degree of what is just being channeled through me. And so I'll ask certain questions and then I will let my Arcturian energy flow through me and speak out the answer. And it, you know, it might be something that Lisa, normal Lisa, could come up with just a sentence or two, 
but not in depth, like the way that my Arcturian self can speak it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Where it just flows out like 10 minutes of an answer or something where I'm not that wordy myself. The telepathy piece, most of these different um, ET or ED races, they do use telepathy, especially higher dimensional beings. It's much more effective as a communication method. And, you know, you're, you're receiving maybe images or the feeling and images all at once. So you, you get the full picture of what they're trying to communicate. And so even when I was on the craft, when I was 15 with my group, um, I ended up being taken to Io, which is one of the moons of Jupiter. We went inside of Io. So I called in my Io group. All of that communication was through telepathy as well. Like I just had, I was asking questions mentally and then I would get the answers back in my mind. What kind of yeah. things did you ask? I'm so curious. <laughs> okay, well, so number one, I would, so the craft that I was taken on was like a smaller two-person shuttle craft. So it wasn't a giant mothership or anything. And it was just one guide that I was in the shuttle with. And he looked very human. And so one of my questions was, are you human? You look human. Are you, are you human? And so his answer was no. We are humanoid, but we are not human. And we disguise ourselves so we don't scare you because our form is very extreme and there would be a lot of fear if we just showed ourselves to you immediately. So that was one of the questions. The other question when we got to where we were, so I was being toured around in a hospital kind of scenario and I could see other earth humans inside of these rooms kind of with, you know, hospital gowns on. There was, there was nothing scary. I was not scared in this situation at all. Like I, it felt very comfortable. Like I had been there before and it turns out I had been there multiple times. I just didn't get to remember it, but I'm being toured around. And so one of my questions was, well, why am I here? Why are these other people here? You know, why, why us? And so the answer at that time was that we were being tested with our physiology or DNA, that if something happened to the earth, if we could be taken to an environment like that or something similar to that. Basically, we were kind of the, sounds like really arrogant to say the chosen ones. However, that is the way that it was presented was we were chosen. And what I did later find out, it wasn't that we were like super special. It was that our frequency resonated with theirs. So we had a certain frequency vibration that matched theirs. And so that was what, how we were picked for this particular thing. Now, this happened back in 1988, and we were on the verge of World War III, you know, massive nuclear threat. There was a good chance that the world was going to be destroyed at that time. And so reflecting back on the world events, it makes a lot of sense. Now, the other thing that I, as part of this tour that I was asking him, I wanted to see what he really looked like. Like, if you're not human, and I was super curious as a kid, again, I, like, I like weird things. I'm like, I'm not going to be afraid. And so he changed form for me. He took off the camouflage and seven feet tall, pure white skin, like chalky white skin, big, dark eyes and red, long hair, like really intense red hair. And then there were triads ta- that looks like they were tattooed on the cheeks. 
And so a really extreme, like with the white and the dark eyes and the red hair and so tall, massively tall. If you saw that coming, walking towards you down the road, or even in your dream, there would probably be some fear factor to that because people have fear of the unknown, right? And things that look really different. And so I could see, you know, why they would disguise themselves because they did, they were, they were not harmful. They were very friendly, beautiful, you know, beings. And so they didn't want to scare the people. And my experience is that most of these different alien races, they don't want to scare the people, right? That's not, the majority of them are benevolent. They're part of our family. We actually have their genetics inside of us. So there's nothing to be afraid of. So they don't generally look like the the green and purple behind you with the big eyes or can they? <laughs> well, some of them, I mean, there, there are, okay, so right now, documented we we know maybe 160 different races wow that have interacted with earth but that even my group from io they are not one of the documented ones none of the like alien almanacs have them in there because i was like i was always curious like who are you who are you like can i find you what I did discover, though, is that the reason why they're not known is because they're not part of the Galactic Federation. So there really is a Galactic Federation, kind of like in Star Trek, and they very rarely interact with Earth humans. So there were only a small portion of us that they had this frequency resonance with. And so and they're very neutral. They're like they, they don't take sides in terms of whatever's going on in the galactic world. And then what I did find out recently, because I, I had found out that they had some connection with the Arcturians. And so when I asked Uluru, okay, what, what is that connection? They said, what he said was basically, we asked them to look over you, to basically be your kind of guide, your, your kind of guardian angel in a sense. And so that was their role for me. Now, there are millions, billions of different intelligent races throughout the universe and the multiverses. So, you know, whether they come here to earth or not, that's a different story, but there is so much more out there than we know about. Mm. So, so do you think they do come here like and disguise themselves? Yeah, I do. And there are different races that are known to interact, number one, with our government and not just our government, but other governments. So there are some that have provided some science, technology, medicine kind of information. Um, There are others that are more interacting with individuals like me, right? So I have this connection with the Arcturians, but I also connect with the Mantis beings, the Tall Whites, the Zetas, the Pleiadians, Syrians, Orions, like I have all of these connections. And there are other individual people that are having these personal experiences, you know, all different groups. Really, it's tapping into that. And different races have different reasons for coming to Earth. Some are our family, like we have their DNA inside of us, because you know, so as part of my original training as a zoologist, I'm actually an evolutionary biologist. And there are so many places within Earth's history of the evolution of animals, the evolution of humans, 
where there are missing links. There are no explanations as to why this transition to this transition. And in understanding that now and knowing some of my different roles in these other lives that are non-Earth lives, they slash we, (laughs) we intervened at different times to genetically modify the different bodies. And so we have up to 22 different races inside of our DNA and more and more evidence is coming out with that kind of information. Now it's not mainstream yet, but at some point it will be. Oh my gosh, this is so fascinating. So I know you have a whole book on the subject, but for my listeners who are maybe interested in starting right away and trying to figure out how to how they can communicate with the, these other life forms, I don't know if they don't like to be called aliens or if it's a preferred extraterrestrials, whatever, but for my listeners who are super interested in trying to communicate, how would they best start? Number one, getting over any fear that they might have, doing some shadow work, making sure that all of that is as clear as possible because if something shows up in your reality, like a mantis bean, a lot of people have fear of it, like a 10 foot tall mantis bean. (laughs) So if you can embrace the diversity on earth, first and foremost, and really appreciate it for what the form and function is for the environment that it's living in, Okay, that goes a long way to then embracing whatever you might experience that is off-world or higher dimensional. Now, you know, the easiest thing to do really is to go into a meditative state and, you know, invite in a galactic family or guide. You know, it's really all intention. And my book, it's available on Amazon. You can get Kindle, you can get the hard copy, whatever. If you feel like you need some guidance in that, that would be a good place to start. But really, it's just you can you can do it all if you know what direction to take and know how to ask and go deep within, because all of this is actually inside of us. Mm, Beautiful. And I will link everything in the show notes for my listeners who are interested in digging in deeper. I'd also like to ask you about past life regression, which I know you said now you call parallel life regression and we're all kind of one, we're all connected. So just talk to me a little bit about what is that? What does it look like? And what does it mean to you? Okay. So I have been working with the modality for a good five and a half years now. And what's really interesting is that combining my knowledge of quantum mechanics with this this regression therapy, all timelines exist simultaneously. And that's how we're able to tap into these different lives, the Akashic record, you know, whatever you might want to call it, because it's all right there, all existing. And so when my clients go into a regression, you know, each client has a little bit different agenda of what they want to accomplish. So some of them want to heal some blockages, some limitations, some trauma in their life that might stem from this life, but it might be a different life, you know, that we can tap into. And ultimately we're trying to get to what is the root cause so that we can either change the story altogether of what they're seeing, or we can change the meaning of it, how they're perceiving it. The brain actually starts to rewire to that new reality. And so it's an extremely powerful modality for that. 
now I have other clients where they just wanted to do exploratory work where, okay, you know, I just want to see what kind of lives show up. Now we can be very specific to, okay, what earth lives or what, are, what's my relationship with my, my spouse or my kids and, or friends, like what have we been for each other in different lives and more of that kind of exploratory work. Others have been, you know, we take them to their non-earth lives or their non-human lives because I've had a client be a tree. I've had a dragonfly. I've had a bird. I've had, you know, people experience different things. I got to experience myself as being observer energy as the earth was forming before the animals were brought. And my job was to observe and let them know when the earth was ready to bring the animals in. So it was super cool to experience that. That's amazing. But I've been able to experience myself being a being from Sirius. So I was a Syrian genetic engineer during ancient Egypt. And my job was to actually modify that DNA so that the physical body could hold more energy. So I got to fully experience that lifetime. So it's just, it's fascinating and, and it's all, again, I could say parallel because it's all existing right here, right now. Linear time is only a human construct because third dimensional, third density reality is so slow. It's so dense and thick that we, we perceive that there is past and future, but really it's just the now, it's the now, it's the now. Yeah. Time is, is totally a a man-made thing. And what I had heard, and I, I'm not going to get the numbers right, but like a day on earth, you know, 24 hours on earth is like seven hours on Jupiter or something. Right. So it's like this whole concept of hours and days and weeks, like that's all just man-made. It is. And some of these beings can live for thousands of years you know, in what in earth time. And so, or even more tens of thousands of years. And so really, if we can get ourselves, I mean, we still have to live a human life, right? So we do have to appreciate the things of why we chose to be in this earth incarnation, but we are so much more than that. This is only but a fragment, a speck of dust in all the vastness of what we are. Mm, Such a good reminder. And I know we talked about your Oracle decks and your book and your tours, but how else can my listeners work with you if they're interested? Well, so I have quite a diversity in what I offer because I do have a couple other books that I wrote before this Connection to the Cosmos book. One is a book that is, it's called Sacred Soul Spaces, Designing Your Personal Oasis. And so I combine the science, the color physiology, the feng shui, the spirituality, I combine all of this to creating a multi-dimensional environment for manifesting your dreams, because there are different things that you want to bring into that environment if you have a specific goal in mind, because manifesting money or health is going to be very different than manifesting love, for instance. So you're going to want to have different things. <laughs> so we didn't even talk about this, but earlier we had talked about where I had to heal some of my self-love and worthiness issues that I grew up with. Well, after I wrote that design book, I had already left my second husband. So I have two ex-husbands 
And what I realized in leaving that relationship is I'm the common denominator of all of these relationships. Both of them were pretty toxic. The first one was really abusive, actually. Um, Second one, very controlling. And so I'm like, okay, I got to heal myself so I don't keep recreating these same relationships. And so I spent a good amount of time going through all the modalities that I knew how to do. And I had to coach and I just, I worked through different processes to really heal myself so that I could be whole and complete again, or, you know, know that in myself. So then I wrote another book called sacred soul love manifesting true love and happiness by revealing and healing blockages and limitations. And so that's really my journey. Those are the different um, practical tools that I used to heal that. And once I healed myself, then I was able to actually meet my current husband, who really is the love of my life. He is truly like my equal in that self-love piece. And then, you know, we've talked about human design. So I do human design as a modality. I do chart readings for people for themselves personally, but I also love doing relationship charts so that people can understand their partners, but also their children, maybe their parents, their siblings, all these dynamics, because it's just all energy. And how are we all interacting together? And how can we appreciate our uniqueness? How can we appreciate others in terms of how they're built so that we don't try to pigeonhole them into, well, they should be like us. They should act like us. We need to just embrace the diversity, I feel. Amazing. And thank you for sharing all of that. And I love that there are so many different aspects to you because I think it really speaks to how we are as humans. We aren't meant to fit in one little box and we have so many different things we're interested in and we want to learn about and we want to teach people. So I love that you are such a beautiful walking example of that. Where is the best place people can find you? Well, the easiest website URL is mysticmanta.com. So M-Y-S-T-I-C-M-A-N-T-A, Manta, like the manta ray, <laughs> mysticmanta.com. The other one is Dr. Lisa J. Thompson, but Mystic Manta is a lot easier. It leads you to the same place. And I am on Facebook. I am a little bit on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel because I do have a podcast show that I do called Connection to the Cosmos with Dr. Lisa Thompson. And that's a weekly show that I do. And I teach a lot of online classes and I lead retreats here in Hawaii. So all different ways to work with me. Amazing. The next time I come to Hawaii, I will be sure to look you up. (laughs) Have to come on a UFO tour for sure. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) All right. Before I let you go, I like to ask my guests five rapid fire questions just so my listeners can get to know you a little bit better. And it doesn't mean you have to answer quickly, just whatever the first thing is that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. The first thing you think of when you hear the word play. Mm. (laughs) I think of being in the ocean, snorkeling, actually. That's one of, I I love living here in Hawaii where I can just go to the beach and just go get in the water and swim with the fishes. For me, that is play. Mm. I love that. And and I don't know in Hawaii how many dolphins you have, but I always think of dolphins because they play. They do. And we do have a lot of dolphins, um, particularly spinner dolphins, which Mm. are really fun. Are those like the dark gray and white ones or am I? Yeah, 
They're yeah, they're a little bit smaller than like a bottlenose, but yeah, they are kind of that mono, that gray and white, and oh. yeah, they just they're so much fun. They 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 are the epitome of play. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is something you're excited about right now? I have so much going on with the galactic work that I'm doing. You know, between the book just coming out a couple of weeks ago and it. It was able to hit Amazon international bestseller, which was amazing. And then Congratulations. classes. So I just, I feel so grateful for getting to lead a life, like a business that doesn't feel like work. <laughs> it, it feels like play actually everything that I do. All right. If there was an extra hour in each day, what would you spend it doing? I would spend it either meditating or doing some kind of physical activity because I need, I feel like I want and need more of that in my life. I get so immersed in the work that I'm doing that sometimes I don't take space for myself to do that. And you live in such a beautiful place. So getting outside and exploring that would be amazing. All right. What does the world need more of? Love and understanding. Um, One of the major messages that's coming through the Arcturians right now and always is that we need to get out of our polarity. Now, when we're in third, fourth dimensional reality, there is always polarity. That's just part of the nature of reality of those dimensions. But the true underlying law of the universe is love and there is no more polarity at fifth dimension and higher. And so rather than seeing the differences that each of us have and really getting into like the extremes of judging people for their belief systems, whether it's their politics or religion, you know, whatever it might be is really coming together in unity and getting out of the judgment, trying to stay out of the polarity. Yes. I love that so much. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say, trust yourself more. And when you get the nudges, I like, I wish I would have known about my sacral authority when I was growing up because my gut would speak, but my logical mind would overwrite it because of the shoulds you know, the expectations from family, from friends, from society. And so really trusting myself, no matter what anyone thinks. Beautiful advice for all of us. (laughs) Well, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. I have had so much fun talking about extraterrestrials. This has just made my day. So I cannot wait to share you with the world so that my listeners can learn more about you and about them. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I, hopefully it resonates with some of your audience, you know, we are not alone. We have never been alone. And, you know, the truth really is inside of us. X-Files, the truth is out there. Well, it's out there, but the truth is inside of us. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Did that conversation not just expand your mind to all the things I am still blown away by all the information that Lisa shared with us and cannot thank her enough for being with us. 
Also, as a side note, since this conversation, I keep seeing platypus images popping up here and there, and I never used to see them before. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I loved the message of oneness that comes from our extraterrestrial friends and that they are a part of us and we are a part of them. Unless you're living under a rock, I am sure you can see with your own eyes the divisiveness in this world, and it's truly heartbreaking. I will keep spreading the message of oneness to anyone that will listen, and I hope you will do the same. Please enjoy these five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, there are many ways to connect to your spirit animal. One way is by going on a shamanic meditative journey to see what animal comes to you. Another way is to notice what animals you have around you, such as in your home decor or animals that you're always drawn to. They may even show up for you in a dream, which actually just happened to me very recently. Number two, we can have different spirit animals that we call on for different purposes. They all have different meanings and qualities. Depending on what you have going on in your life and what you need most right now, you may have the energy of different spirit animals around you. Number three, we are not meant to stay stuck. As humans, we are meant to keep following our passions and our joy. The more we do that, the more our vibration will elevate. Not everyone is at the same vibration, and because of this, the more you step into your authentic self, the more you may notice people fall away and out of your orbit. Number four, there are many different species or races of extraterrestrials or galactic beings. At this time, there are about 160 different known races, and there are some that we know that are not documented. Some aliens will appear to certain people in various forms. Some are within the Earth's atmosphere, especially where the veil is thin in places like Hawaii. If you're interested in making a connection with aliens, the first step is to remove any fear you might have and also embrace the diversity here on Earth. Then go into a meditative state and invite them in. Keep in mind that they probably won't look how you expect them to. Number five. You can't make up something that you haven't experienced. It's normal to think that your imagination may have gotten carried away and your visions aren't true, but if it's real in your mind, then it's real on some level. Again, thank you to Lisa for this eye-opening conversation. I enjoyed it so much. You can find information on how to connect with Lisa and get all of her books and Oracle decks in the show notes. And if you loved this episode, it would mean the world to me if you would give it a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Your reviews help more than you know, and I appreciate every single one. Thanks so much for listening. Have a magical day. This podcast episode is brought to you by Prompts to Purpose, my free workbook that will help you stop spinning your wheels and start remembering your gifts. Inside, you'll find 25 journal prompts to get you thinking about things in a new way so that you can find your purpose and start living the life of your dreams. If you're ready to dive in, get on my email list by clicking on the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio and I'll send it over. Come on in and see what everyone is talking about. 